You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so excited that we get to talk about the languages and styles of forgiveness today with Lisa Carter. You know we have had such a blast talking about the love languages as well as the seven love styles. And today, Lisa Carter joins us from Texas to talk about just as we have different types, so do the types have different orientations to time. Some of us are past, some of us are present, some of us are future thinkers, and some of us also really differ in terms of, as you guys know, triads. So this month, as we've been talking about conflict, we've been looking at how do head people do things, how do heart people and how do body people do different movements in conflict. And one of the most important things I think that we are going to get to talk about today is exactly how we do that when we're feeling like there's been an issue, there's been a breach of connection and we have to find our way back to forgiveness. And that is a very clumsy movement as some of you guys know, as most of you know, because forgiveness is tough. So we're dedicating this episode to it. And this is also a week when we're going through the last of our deep dives on the various types. And so we have type nine this week. I'm excited for you guys. And I'm excited that we are able to give you guys all the deep dives in PDF format too, so that if you want to go to enneagramandmarriage.com, you can grab those and have lots and lots of good reading and uh, good homework for you to be working on. But don't forget our freebies. Also, when Lisa's done chatting today, she's going to tell us where we can find out even more for critical intensive work with couples. So we have you covered today. And before we get to all of that, I just want to let you know that for those going through the Enneagram and Marriage Glow Planner with us, Wes and I have been really working hard with you guys. This month, we are recording during March of 2022, and we are all working on conflict. So even if you're coming at this podcast later, we have been working through the planner, which is also at enneagramandmarriage.com. We're just spending this entire series on conflict because we know that conflict needs to be resolved. And all of the studies let us know that although you shouldn't be resolving conflicts and making conflicts big deals every single day, you do need some time to process. So Wes and I have been actually doing well this month processing, and I continue to learn more even after 25 years of being together. And this week we were processing about, you know, and it's okay if you don't line up exactly with what we were doing this week, but we were talking about the styles of conflict and how I'm more emotional and more positive than him and he's more logical. And I was giving him my etiology as to why I think this happened. And he was not doing that 
and he was like, you know, I don't feel like that's good for me personally to go back and process the why, but as long as I can move forward in the what I'm doing differently, then that's where I'm comfortable. And I just want to welcome everyone to be at their own stage and pace because for some of us, lifting up old trauma wounds isn't as helpful, especially because he's a logical processor. So he's like, I know I'm weakest in the positivity realm. I'm sure it has a trauma backstory. He's done good therapy before, but it's in his mind what's going to be most helpful and efficient for him to move forward is just to remember, I need to bring some healthy, positive emotion into what I come to. And he said, I have to pause and I have to take a very intentional step because it just doesn't come naturally for me. And then I said the same thing, as much as I do know my backstory, I have to do the very same thing where I have to pause. Um, And I told him, for me, it's helpful to know my backstory because I'm able to give myself a little more self-compassion. So I did let him know that. Make sure you give yourself enough self-compassion that sometimes we go back so that we can be a bit more gracious to ourselves when we're messing up. But either way, you can hear what Wes and I are doing. We're doing our work. So any coach who tells you they're not doing their work anymore, I kind of want to say run. (laughs) You know, I've done a lot of running as a seven, but I kind of want to say run just because nobody has solved all of the problems in life. So keep doing your work. Even if you're a therapist or a coach listening, you guys have work to do too. You have not grieved everything together. You haven't lost everybody you're going to lose together. You haven't walked through every season of life together to know what each one is going to look like. And so every single person is in process. So don't feel bad if you are, but I invite you on this journey with Lisa and I today and with Wes and I as a couple to just keep doing your work. And I I can tell you we made a great stride this week when I noticed we both had a tendency to want to be critical and we both crept away from it. I was awkward. I, I made a little suggestion for a date night and it was just, it wasn't super graceful and we blundered through that together and we recovered very quickly, but it was just me going, oh my gosh, like don't be critical. Like, And then with me, he was going to correct something I did in the kitchen and he was standing with me and he was like, hey, I just want to give you this tip. And so I was bracing myself for it. And then he was like, never mind. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, nothing. Thank you, actually. Just thank you so much for cleaning up. And I was like, oh my gosh, yay, thank you. Like, I could tell that we were both putting on our conflict learning. And like I said, it was a bit clumsy, but we're working at it. So please do your work with us. It's so much fun to see the little results, just these little wins. Also, as you know, we love to bring in our literature chats to this podcast. I'm so sorry that recently I insulted Tolkien's work. I've been feeling bad about that ever since, but I was like, no, that episode was really long and we've had a lot of big episodes lately, so I'm not going to correct it. Um, Just understand that I'm sorry (laughs) that I said something bad about Tolkien. However, I do have to still say there's other reading I'm doing right now. And we had a Barnes and Noble and walking date this week. We read some Wendell Berry quotes and poetry together and a little bit of one of his short stories. And it really reminded me of the glow that we try to talk about on this podcast about how we try to just shine our lights together and how hard that is. And and this quote was just really well done in this story about a husband and a wife where she was lamenting the different things she knew her husband wasn't. And she was sick. So she was kind of looking at life from a glass half empty in that moment. And she said, 
That she was his half, she had no doubt at all. He needed her. At times she knew with a joyous ache that she completed him, just as she knew with the same joy that she needed him and he completed her. How beautiful a thing it was, she thought, to be a half, to be completed by such another half. When had there ever been such a yearning of halves toward each other, such a longing, even in quarrels, to be whole? And sometimes they would be whole. Their wholeness came upon them as a rush of light around them and within them, so that she felt they must be shining in the dark. Ah, oh, I just found that to be so beautiful. And the story goes on a little bit with her saying, actually, in this moment, I feel the absence. I feel the darkness. I feel like all the light is gone. And she was fitful in her rest, even though she was trying to sleep, she just wasn't feeling well. And then this neighbor came over, a woman, a bearer of good news. And then she was an older woman who said, your husband stopped by to let us know that he would be coming around later because his wife was sick. And she was like, oh my gosh, he had remembered, he had thought of her. And then the woman's like, are you doing okay? And she's like, I'm wonderful. And she was able to go right back to sleep. And even after she had lamented, like my husband is too much and not enough all at the same time. And she had felt like we aren't whole right now. After she had heard that he was thinking of her and loving her, she was healed. And it was a beautiful little moment. Why I'm sharing this story is that I know sometimes in conflicts, that's exactly how it feels like we're supposed to be our wholeness is supposed to be here and it's not and I want to shine in the dark together and I want that rush of light but you have to walk through the dark moments and you have to walk through them with faith that you will find each other again if you're intentionally seeking and searching and trying to do right so keep on doing that and the light will find you again and I just loved that little moment in the story where she's like, oh my gosh, she was thinking of me. And it just took something so small, just like I shared with my example, something so tiny to make us feel loved. Let's keep doing those acts, those tiny acts, and let's keep looking for them. Let's keep scanning our environment for those positive things. And now let's let Lisa have the floor so she can tell us all about the languages of forgiveness. She's a total colleague. She comes out of Stonegate Fellowship Church in Texas. And Lisa was in my class for Enneagram and Marriage Certification, but she's just before and after the class been running with her own marriage outreach. So let's talk with her about the languages of forgiveness so we can continue to learn how to release one another from events. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing with us on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast today. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, it's my joy. And I get to see you too. And this is shared on YouTube as well for those who want to see a visual. So excited we're doing this now. But our listeners might remember that you came on to talk with us about love languages before, right? Yes. Yes, I did in the fall. Uh huh. Yes. And you're the seven, eight glow. So if people want to go back and listen about how the seven and eight love and motion work together, you and your hubby, you guys roll, don't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, for good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you share all that so vulnerably on that episode. Um, but today you're sharing with us about forgiveness and she's integrated in for us guys a little bit with the Trudy seven love styles. So thank you, Lisa, just for being with us and talking to us about this important topic. You're very welcome. So would you mind just sharing with us a little bit about forgiveness in general and marriage? Because I know, yeah, I love the, the people that you've been studying. And lately that's been a, a lot of my clients are talking about the new Lisa Turkhurst study about forgiveness. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah, it's actually really great that you mentioned that Lisa Turkhurst book, because I did one of the quotes I wrote down, um, one of them that she just gave, it goes like this, forgiveness is the weapon, our choices moving forward are the battlefield, moving on is the journey, being released from that heavy feeling is the reward, regaining the possibility of trust and the closure is the victory. Walking confidently with the Lord from hurt to healing is the freedom that awaits. And that's from her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Um, wow. The reason that is so big is because you, you don't realize how very impactful forgiveness is. And just like the quote, the other quote from um, Lewis Smead says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free mm-hmm. and then discover that that prisoner was you. And mm-hmm. both of those quotes go to once you realize forgiveness of course it benefits the other person, but mm-hmm. the forgiver is the one that's set free when you choose to forgive mm-hmm. and forgiveness is actually a command in the Bible that mm-hmm. we are told Jesus said we must forgive. And so sometimes we don't feel like forgiving, but then when you make the choice to obey and forgive, it sets you free. And it is so incredible. I know firsthand what it looks like to forgive and I'm not perfect. Uh, I struggle Mm -hmm. still with um, forgiveness and I have to choose it every single day, um, sometimes minute by minute, but it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that so that listeners can hear it, not just for the other, but for themselves. And that is sometimes the stumbling block that people honestly need. I mean, we're just being real with it. Like we get it that everyone really does know that uh, we're called to forgive others, but to be able to hear that it's a gift to you as well. Thank you for both sharing that. And then for walking this journey and being honest and raw to say, sometimes you're walking it multiple times a day. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You bet. Yeah. The one that I have to keep going back to and when Jesus says, Um, I don't say to forgive once, not seven times, but seven times seven, Mm -hmm. Uh, it it just tells you, it's like, it's an ongoing moving forward constant over and over and over. And sometimes the exact same person, the exact same offense, you have to continue to forgive. And I really like how you're reminding us too, that forgiving isn't not the, it's not the same thing to say I I have forgotten the issue because people get that confused, don't they? Absolutely right. Yeah, you you can't just honestly you can't just forget an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, forgetting an issue just covers it up, and it's still there. And that is when when people have the temptation to just let's just move forward and kind of sweep it under the rug. Those mm-hmm. dark, seedy places is where Satan likes to get in and grow really disgusting bitter roots that really can I mean you just think about what darkness ha- has for you when you hide something in darkness it just mm. has an opportunity to stay there and ferment really just like what God says in the Bible like a, a bitterness is unforgiveness fermented and just mm. you think of the growth and the sourness that comes with fermentation mm. um, when it just you you try and forget it honestly it's not possible yeah. you don't just forget things No, you don't. And that's really almost ridiculous of us to think like, I could just pretend it never happened, but we do it sometimes. So it's relevant to bring it up because we're like, I just won't deal with that. And, And we're learning this past month all about how conflict cannot just be swept under the rug. It comes back. It comes back generationally. 
And, and it's beautiful to hear you saying doing the work will be worth it. And your foundation here is biblical. Uh, there's a lot of stoic rationalism that I think would agree with you that there's just a lot of logic and a lot of spiritual foundation to the fact that forgiveness blesses everybody. So that's right. So thank you. And is there any more research or quotes that you want to share before I ask you just a little bit about the evolving of love languages? Yeah, I think one of the things that I really love is this analogy of a beach ball. It's one that one of our marriage pastors had used where you're like trying to hold this beach ball underwater. And this goes back to the unforgiveness thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to hold it down. And the further you push it down, the more it's pushing back up. And it takes the littlest thing. So let's say you hid an offense or covered over an offense and said, I'm just going to forget about that. And say somebody was dishonest with you. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to push that down and I'm not going to worry about forgiving. I'm just going to forget it and move forward. Mm -hmm. And then later something happens and it's the littlest indiscretion. It's the littlest white lie. And that beach ball slips from your, from your hands and it splashes out of the pool and it, it splashes on everybody around you. So when that bursts out of you, all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, what was that reaction? Well, that, that fermented bitterness and unforgiveness held in got poked and it takes the littlest things and it goes splashing everywhere. And that's why this, this command, you know, Jesus hates sin, not to give us rules. He hates it because of what it does to us. And he hates unforgiveness because what it does to us. Mm -hmm. And that is one of those things. He's like, please, for your own sake, you have to forgive. Mm, That is so important. And I just, I love that you're bringing that to us. Thank you. And as you integrate with the seven love styles, I know we had five love languages and then five styles of forgiveness from Dr. Gary Chapman. But what do you think about these new love language, uh, love styles of emotional and intellectual, how they might fit in with these forgiveness styles you're about to tell us? Um, yeah, that's, I really love that truity came out and expanded a little bit on some of that language. Cause that I did struggle with some of the love languages, not perfectly fitting some, like I'm quality time is a big one for me, but my quality time looks different. And we talked about that. And so true to using the emotional, I went, Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Mm. And so these, um, again, that Gary Chapman came out with these apology languages, but I have a similar struggle with them because there are parts of them that you're like, well, duh, everybody needs to hear that or feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so expanding them into a, a couple more options, I think is really a good thing. Mm, um, cool. And maybe listeners might say, I've got a few more directions that I'm going to go with this after they hear what we're sharing today, they may continue right. the work of nuancing in their lives. Right. Right. Yeah. The key is recognizing that we do all apologize differently. And we do all um, forgive differently. And it, it, I didn't realize this till recently. And once I realized that a light bulb went on because we would, we would have fights and then we'd have fights about our fights because of the way we were trying to apologize and forgive one another mm-hmm. looked differently. So I would, honestly, my husband became more frustrated with me because he would be like, why don't you just say, sorry, you're just trying to not own this. And I'm like, I am going to say, sorry, just need to process it and come up with the verbiage. And so once somebody gave us language, I was like, oh, we're just, 
we're just handling it differently based on our personalities and our types of the ways that we forgive. And it's just one more tool that is just hopefully will really open some people's eyes. Oh, yay. I'm so thankful. Well, now we get to hear what are these forgiveness styles? Yeah. So the ones that um, Gary Chapman came out with, I think that they're pretty, they cover most of the bases, but one of them is expressing regret. So it's the need to see that the person who we hurt um, or who hurt us truly regrets what they did. Um, Another one is accepting responsibility, Mm -hmm. basically own it to say, Hey, I did this. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The third one is making restitution, meaning you, you're going to say, I'm sorry. And what can I do to make God up to you? I hurt you. How can I fix this? Mm. Um, another one is genuinely repenting, which I'm like, that kind of sounds like accepting responsibility, but the way they define that further is, um, when you genuinely repent, you have a planned change. You're changing your behavior to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, and then the final one's requesting forgiveness. And I think this one gets paired with a lot of them. I think it's important to request forgiveness, but some people just want to hear the words, Hey, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. Um, and this one, um, this one's kind of unique in that it opens up a vulnerability to the other person, to the offended to now it's on me to go ahead and forgive. And so it really draws in a vulnerability to the relationship to ask forgiveness. Yes. And thank you for clarifying that, that some people are going to need more than one of these. And I know we're going to get more into it as we talk about the types through the centers of intelligence. And that means the heart, head and body people. And then we're going to be talking about it with stances. So you guys are in for such a treat. So tell us about the ways the Enneagram works with these languages. Well, it's really funny because when we first started talking about tying this to the Enneagram, I was combing the internet. When it came to love languages, it was pretty easy to find people's opinions on how they tied. With the apology forgiveness languages, Mm -hmm. it was crickets out there. Like I found one Reddit thread where people were giving input. So I kind of did my own mini survey on my social media and it ended up being a little bit like the Reddit thread where it was kind of all over the map and there Um, wasn't a ones need apologies this way. And two, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't really cut and dry. So instead Mm -hmm. I dug back into our classwork that we did over the summer and piece by piece kind of pulled out. Really, it goes down more toward, like you were saying, the um, triads and the stances more than number specific. Um, And so um, what I noticed was like with the head triad and I am and you are in the head triad. So it's easier for me to kind of make this how I accept things. So this, yeah, my disclaimer and yours is always, we're not putting anybody in a box. There's always a bell curve, but in general, I think the head types want time to process, um, in, in everything we want time to process. That is just part of what we do. Um, but we're not necessarily super quick to apologize. And that's not because we're trying to not own our junk. It's because we are trying to form the language and really want to narrow it down to what we did wrong and how can we verbalize it to you? And why are we sorry? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll get a longer explanation of an apology from a five, six or seven. And if you're like my husband, he's an eight, he's like, just say, sorry. <laughs> 
Um, so the head types, it, you, it usually will be a conversation um, mm, with like the that. guts. I would say the eights, nines, and ones, um, usually they want, they want you to accept the responsibility and for various reasons, you know, you think of the ones they, they want you to recognize you did something wrong. Cause all they see in life is wrong. They want you to say, I see it too. Mm-hmm. Um, with eights really, they want to just like my husband, just quickly say, I'm sorry. And then end it because in their gut, it's like, now I want to be sorry now and then move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nines just don't want to live in that, um, unrest, you know? And so they, they're same way, ask forgiveness, accept responsibility. And then that's it. Let's not dwell on it too long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, then the hearts. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. The hearts, um, they want, they want that connection. They want that vulnerability. Um, they really, they'll ask, they want you to ask forgiveness, um, because they want to open up the vulnerability in your relationship. Um, and there's again, various reasons the heart will do this, but they also want to, um, they express regret. And, um, sometimes they'll say they're sorry just by changing their behavior, um, because they want to draw you back into that relationship. Mm-hmm. So they're not always verbal about it, but they're going to try to show you through their actions. That's, that's my observation. And I text a few of my friends who are fours, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, especially because they're such emotional people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't, they don't recognize why they're hurting. They just know they feel hurt. And so they just want you to stop doing that (laughs) or change the behavior, or they really want you to recognize what was hurtful and why. Yes. And that really goes along with Leslie talk with us about how the feelings people are in the doing center. So they want things done differently and they might not even be in touch with the feelings, but they, they want things to change. And so you're saying sometimes they want to hear things acknowledged, but they might themselves just step into new action. So it's good for you to know, Hey, do you really need it said out loud if they're making the changes that are requested? Yeah. Yeah. That's really that you're right. The, the doing like that makes perfect sense. Exactly. What, yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's I just my, that. yeah. my personal observation based on all yeah. I could figure out at least. Yeah. And before we get to body types, I like how you said, um, you even emailed me a little bit about how, um, head types, they need this time to process and they don't always take the courage to bring it up. So I love how you remind us, like we all have our different reasons for bringing up topic, our own style, our own topics, our styles. And so thank you for kind of letting us know there's some variety here. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that is one thing I did say was I'm, I'm guilty of it. If I take enough time to process, I may forget to, confront it. And then I've got that beach ball, right. Or that thing under the rug. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember that I was supposed to forgive or ask for, or apologize Mm -hmm. and then pops back up and it's, it's dangerous. So you have to be careful if you're a head type to recognize, I need to come back to this and, and confront it and handle it. Especially those of us who don't like to sit in our feelings very long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just don't know how to do it. So we have to take the time to really get there through our bodies usually. And, and just by slowing down or um, working with our types, passion and fixation and, and 
These are terms, if you're not familiar with them, uh, you can do our deep dive episodes and you can catch up on some of the, the work of each type. But as Lisa says, these are nice to just kind of group the feelings people together, the twos, threes, and fours, and and the head types together is the, the five, sixes, and sevens, because now we have some patterns. Yeah. I mean, the body types, that's the eights, nines, ones. You know, we talked about that briefly about yes. one of the really cool things I've observed is when you apologize to them, physical presence is a big deal because they are body types. They're going to watch your body language and see how genuine you are. Um, you know, I kind of was thinking like a note of apology for head types is pretty good or heart types would love a note. Body types want you to be present with them, be in front of them, even maybe lay your hand on their knee or hold their hand as you apologize, make eye contact. Mm. Um, that is a big deal too, because they're just so physical. They're such physical types that it translates to them that they don't even recognize it necessarily, they, but you can engage them and give you, give sincere look to them and just say, I'm, I'm really sorry. Wow. And it goes way further um, and more meaningful to them for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I, I know that you are giving us a rundown, but I saw so much meat in that one too. So thank you for giving us that and, and reminding us with the body types, the somatic experiencing is so important to them. So, oh, that's huge. Thank you for that. Just touch and be together and eye to eye. And, and when I talk about healing and attachment wound, that really goes with the territory most of the time. So even I'm reflecting back on us saying with the feelings types, try if you're a feelings type to get the words out so that people don't have to guess. Um, it means a lot, even though it's a lot of hard work to kind of let the pride down if you're a two or if you're a four or a three, you know, to do your particular work, it feels really good to be directly approached, especially like we said, for a body type. Right. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Thank you. And then the cool thing is, is you've done another layer for us with the stances and orientation to time. So tell us more about this too. Yeah, I actually found for the stances that there was more connection to the apology languages for me within this orientation to time. And that's because if you read the language of the apology languages, there are specific ones are meant to go forward and there are specific ones that are meant to fix what's now. And there are specific ones that go into the past. And so um, like the past orientation four, fives and nines, they, they want you to express regret because they want to go backward. They want to go back. Um, they'll peel that rug up if they have to, and they're going to clean it out because they sit back there so much. They, sometimes often think this is all there is to this relationship is this hurt from the past. Mm. And so um, I think it's really important to ask forgiveness and express regret with fours, fives, and nines. Um, they want to, they want to move forward. They really do, but they can't, they're just tethered to that past hurt or whatever that looked like. Mm. Um, and that looks differently for each of them, of course, because they're not all in the same triad mm. and they're different numbers. Um, and so it, for each one of them, it'll look a little bit differently, but keeping that in mind that they want to approach what's in the past. Thank you for clarifying that, because if people are confused that we just grouped them differently a moment ago, it's because we have lots of different lenses for doing our work and we have lots of nuances as a person. So it's nice for you yeah. to say, oh, and in addition to what you just heard in centers of intelligence, now you can add this new layer that if you're a four or five or a nine 
wow, you might get stubborn with things. You might um, be looking at the past too much. And I'm glad you're telling them if you are, this is what you can do. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, that the orientation to time is such a bigger deal when it comes to these forgivenesses and apologies. Um, so yeah, the, like, so the present orientation was one I dug into. I've got a lot of these numbers, ones, twos, and sixes in my life. And so I had some really good conversations with them and kind of read this out to them. And they were like, yes, that explains so much, you know? So again, for different reasons, the, the ones, twos, and sixes, they all, they want you to genuinely repent. They want you to say, I've done this, accept responsibility, repent, but they, it's because they want to see your behavior change in that moment. And so um, sometimes again, they're not necessarily going to say the words, but they may change their behavior as this right now, what's happening now isn't okay. No. So the orientation to the present orientation, they're worried about what's happening now. So they're not necessarily, of course, all of this is meaningful to everybody, but they're not as tethered to the past. And they're not so worried about what will happen in future relationships. They're basically going to be right now. This is what I'm feeling. And it needs to be fixed right now. What's around me. Yeah. Um, so the ones, twos and sixes, like ones, um, if it's not fixed right now, they've already got their critic driving them nuts. And so they're going to be like, I need this fixed so that I have one last thing nagging at me currently. Um, And twos, twos are so, I I just, I love digging into twos because obviously I relate the least to them, Mm -hmm. but they're so concerned about other people. If you go to them and say, Hey, I need to ask your forgiveness. They'd probably go for what? I don't know what you did wrong. You're, they're so worried about you and your hurts, they're not recognizing how you hurt them necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so um, it may take a little bit to be able to apologize to two for them to even recognize and admit that you hurt them. Uh, wow. But their pre- orientation to the present means they just want you to change your behavior so that they can enjoy the relationship right now. Mm-hmm. Mm, what a gift. Yeah. And then of course, sixes, they just want safety, you know, and so they want to know they're safe in your relationship. And uh, my daughter, who's a six, she often will take her friends back in a heartbeat if she just sees a behavior change because she feels safe again around them. And they may never say, I'm sorry, but she's like, okay, they're different. So I'm just going to forgive them and we'll move forward and never Mm -hmm. even hear an apology. But for her, she takes the change of behavior as an apology, which is what the definition is of the genuine repentance. Mm, That's neat. And that's all she needed. And so different people need different things, hence these languages. Thank you. So that was the ones, twos, and sixes. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell us about the other time orientation. Okay. So the last one is future. um, And that's three, sevens, eights. Some people call them the aggressive. um, And really what we want, we want things fixed to move forward because we are in the future. Mm. Um, And so if I want my relationship from here on out to be good, I'm going to need you to recognize what happened and plan to change. And you really want to, to know that the reasons sevens like to over explain themselves an apology is they want to tell you from here on out, here's how it will be different. And I want to thoroughly make a plan to change yeah. because they do want to know you're making, taking some action Mm-hmm. So that their, their relationship in the future is genuine 
and I can trust that I can be with you from here on out rather than, you know, of course the past always matters, but I'm so worried about, is this going to happen again? Do I have to endure this again? Can I trust you in the future? Um, And so a, a genuine apology, change of behavior, and then really just planning change. How can I make this different? Ah, that's really cool to hear that sometimes investing the additional time into letting somebody do it their way will help you guys just sail forward together. If they're a future thinker that they, they have some box they need to check off and letting them take that time to do it in a way that is comfortable. It might be awkward, but it sounds like it's really helpful for the relationship. Well, that's just the key though. Like the key is that you recognize how you apologize and how you want forgiveness. And then you, you talk with your spouse, your friends, your family about that. And that, that's what it, it may, you may not relate to anything I just said, but you can investigate exactly when somebody else apologizes mm-hmm. and communicate that so that you can make a different, make changes in the future moving forward and accept each other's apology and accept each other's forgiveness. Mm, That's important. So people are learning. These are some of my tendencies, but taking it from here, I might even have just heard Lisa and Krista talking and now I have a new insight. And I just feel like before this conversation, it's like, it's just this straight shot of like, you're supposed to forgive, but we don't really line up any steps for people. So I really appreciate you trying to walk us through some particulars. Was that interesting for you as you were walking through them yourself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as soon as I recognize that all, all I have to utter the words is I'm sorry. And I mean, it was so, we don't get it right still. I mean, goodness. Yeah. But it was a game changer for us to say, oh, this is, I mean, even last night we had a little bit of a disagreement and we sat down and my husband, I even sat there and almost started crying because he was processing and verbalizing and he's an eight. And so he usually is like, I'm sorry. And that's it. And so for him to tell me what he did wrong and how he'd like to change, I was like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. that was such a gift. It was such a gift of love for him to do that for me. And so now I need to learn to apologize quicker really is the biggest thing. (laughs) I want, I want to walk off and process and he needs me to sit, come even go, babe, I'm really sorry. Can you give me a minute to process this? But you need to know I am sorry. And then you can come back and explain yourself later. <laughs> Loving hearing that. I like that he wants to do it quick. You'll like that as a seven once you get used to it because um, right. <laughs> you like doing things quick, but also that he's learning too, even on that side of things where he's like, she might need to put that away more safely as a thinking type. Yeah. So I'm going to give her the opportunity to file that in a way that she can walk as a future type forward and walk as a thinking type forward in safety. So that's neat that he's like, how beautiful of a moment for you too. Yeah. 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 One of the things that is important to remember is there are certain things that forgiveness is, and there are certain things that forgiveness isn't Mm -hmm. and forgiveness. And we talked at the beginning, doesn't mean you will forget. Uh, It also doesn't mean you will trust that person right away. And so um, one of the really cool things that I've heard and I I share it with couples now is forgiveness is about moving forward. And that's a great one for us sevens, people who are future oriented, but in general, forgiveness is meant to, you wake up, you put your feet on the ground and you start your day in forgiveness. 
because Jesus forgave us before he even, before we were even a thought in our parents' minds, he forgave us by dying on the cross. And we weren't even named on this earth yet. So I can wake up each day and go, okay, God, I forgive. I forgive whoever comes encounter with me. Um, I forgive my husband for what has happened in the past. And I I forgive him for what's going to happen today. Mm -hmm. And it can take you into your day in a new direction. Um, So it's really important to realize that forgiveness, it, it doesn't mean you'll fix everything immediately, but it is amazing to see what it does to your heart when you do forgive. It really is. You walk differently in the world with more confidence and more clarity so that you can do your day better. You can love your people better. Your goals are better. And now we know the neuroplasticity in your brain is better because Mm -hmm. you're thinking more positively. So it's benefiting you on such multiple levels, but I like how you're reminding us there's little things that could go along with this, like some inner dialogue where I know when I'm doing that with Wes, I have to say, there's things I don't know. And the unknowns make me afraid, but there's always unknowns in life and I can trust God. And that leads us to a different level of trust with our mate, because we realize it's not all on them. If they make imperfections or mistakes, then we still have an anchor. And I think that's huge for anybody who's kind of holding on to control, which when you think about the Enneagram types, each of us holds control in a different way. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting point, actually. Oh, thank you. Well, I have to do that regularly. (laughs) It's just part of my life. I'm like, I can trust God. I can trust God (laughs) and I can trust us most of the time. You know, so I try to follow up with that too. It's a process, but I like how, when we do it well, we just bring a lot more healthy behaviors into our lives and into our future lives because our brains are just cleansed. So it feels good. Now denial doesn't feel good. And I know you'd probably say the same that if you have a glaring issue, it's not a good idea to just forget about it and be like, I forgive this and I'm not going to mention it to anybody. Mm -hmm. Most of the time that's not good. Once in a while we said, if it's something tiny with a type two, you might just say, Oh, we've got a new behavior. But if it's something big and glaring, I just want to remind people it's worth processing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the saddest things that I found when I was researching on one of the saddest things, there was multiple people who responded and said, somebody hurts me. I'm just going to write them out of my life. I don't need to forgive them. I don't need an apology from them. I'm just going to kick them out of my life. And that just broke my heart because I just thought, wow, what a, a sad thing to just know that your friendship or relationship, whatever it is, is so surface that one hurt can take you out of that person's life. And then the richness that comes on the other side of forgiveness and a healed and redeemed marriage or whatever relationship, there's so much richness. When you've walked through forgiveness, Mm -hmm. you're missing out on some really fantastic relationships. If you just write people off because they've hurt you intentionally or not. And so how we handle that is how we can look forward to a, a bigger, better, more impactful life on this earth with other humans. Mm, Thank you. That is everything because we almost always think of an individualism versus the collective. And we're reminded here, 
We need each other. We all have different gifts, different hurts, different traumas, but we want to have that. As I always say that Moana song, you know, we tell the stories of our elders in that never ending chain. Like we want to be part of that. So don't write off people from the past or even around you in your family or church family or extended family or friend groups. You may say, I need a season to heal. I need a boundary but to completely write everybody off as toxic or particularly, I think a a harder one is they're hopeless. I really try not to do that either, but it's come with time. It's come with age. So thank you for bringing this truth to us so that we don't increasingly don't just write people off. That's not as, not as much of a blessing to write people off. Is it? Oh no. When I get I get the temptation. It's important to draw boundaries with people if they continue to be hurtful to you. Um, But that doesn't mean you, you, I mean, you can take somebody and say, I, I don't think you have a place in my life right now because you keep crossing this boundary. That doesn't mean you get away with not forgiving them. You still forgive them, but you know that they continue to hurt you and cause this issue. So you have to draw boundaries and still forgive them. Mm, That's a great distinction. Because yeah. people will hurt you in life and yeah. marriage. I, I read a lot of articles. I don't have adult children yet, but I hear they hurt us sometimes. <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't think we want to cut them off. You have now some adult children. So, you know, yeah. not perfect. Yeah. 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 And they, they're not, they're not trying to be hurtful, but you do what you can to raise them. And then they'll make a decision that makes you kind of go, oh, I guess yeah. that I kind of failed there, or they don't think I did a good enough job there. And their intention isn't to be hurtful and decisions that they make, they get to be adults, but you're right. I, I couldn't imagine my child hurting me enough to take them out of my life, but I know that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we try to hold on for our kids. So let's try to hold on for all of God's kids, which includes our spouses and our friends and our families. Um, And I I've been recently sharing on the podcast, take a little break if you need it. And that's the same Mm -hmm. word as boundary. If you don't like the word boundary, but break, just take a little break and come back um, so that you don't just say, I'm writing off all self-preserving subtypes. They're all selfish, or I'm writing off all (laughs) sexual subtypes because they're all too in your face. Or I'm writing off social people because they're using me to get ahead. It's like, we all have areas of sin and struggle, but we also all have beautiful areas that when we put it together, obviously the tapestry looks a lot better when we're when we're hanging on by a thread sometimes, but thank you for helping us today to hang on by that thread, to make it colored in a bit prettier. Um, Your work is phenomenal. And I love the work that you and your church are dedicating to helping couples. Can you tell us where we can continue to learn from you and get in touch with these great resources? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. I do work in um, the marriage ministry at a, a church in a small town in Texas um, cool. but you can, you can reach out to Stonegate fellowship in Midland, Texas, and we have, um, a full-time ministry staff along with about 30 servant leaders who help us, um, walk with couples and it's a passion that we have and say, um, couples at stonegatefellowship.com or stonegatefellowship.com. You can reach out to our website. Um, but, um, like a little, uh, I guess it's like a side ministry of, mine and my husband's and then our two best friends. It's just one of those rare couple friends that you just have that um, we found through our marriage ministry. We both have restored marriages. Um, and so we love meeting with couples, but we recently started a podcast, which is, as you know, kind of adventurous and fun. 
Um, but we're just, we're four goofy people and we just try to be real about how hard marriage can be and what the truths are that can set us free in our marriages to heal. And so that's called the Marriage Unfiltered Podcast. And we're on all of the major platforms. Um, we even have an episode about bitterness and another one about forgiveness. And we just scratch the surface. <laughs> we just um, talk real about the impact that those have had in our marriages. Uh, but we can also be reached via um, email for that too at marriageunfiltered at yahoo.com. And then our social media is Marriage Unfiltered Podcast. Um, on Instagram. So we keep it pretty simple and um, we're growing slowly, but we're, we're having a lot of fun and we're, we're getting a lot more vulnerable than I thought those microphones sure bring out some real raw conversations with us, but we have a blast and we hope we're impacting even just a couple of couples Mm -hmm. to know that an authentic relationship um, with your spouse and with others is just the most rich way to, to live. And there's too much uh, filtering that happens in, in this world to where people start thinking, well, my marriage isn't perfect, so it must not be right. Yeah. And so we should just dissolve um, the agreement, the covenant. Um, but we're there to say, yeah, we've been through hell and back and uh, there is so much richness on the other side that we want to offer to couples. Hmm. Thank you for that beautiful word. As you said, a rare word nowadays when it's so easy to just drop people. And we're just really um, thankful that you're helping us to see here. Hang on, hang on for dear life at times, but hang on. The rewards are worth it. The adventures continue. The growth continues. It's not the end of the story yet. So thank you. And then, um, It'll be nice to hear your podcast too. And it cut out a little bit on zoom right there. So can you tell us the way to reach your podcast? Plus I'll show it, put it in the show notes again. But, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's the marriage Unfiltered podcast. Okay, perfect. Um, our email is marriage unfiltered at yahoo.com. And then Instagram is marriage unfiltered podcast. Okay. Perfect. Thank you yeah. so much, Lisa, for your time today. Thank this you. Thank you. I always learn so much from our conversation. So I really appreciate you asking me back on. I'm so grateful. And all the work you did as an Enneagram certified student and now coach out there in the world, we're just all so grateful. So thank you, Lisa. You're very welcome. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for just really working hard with Lisa and I. This is not easy work. It is not for the faint of heart, but I also realize that we are all broken. So doing our work comes in pieces and know that I get that. Know that as you are working so hard to do your work, that I'm right there with you, cheering you on, believing in you and knowing that you are making a difference. If you haven't checked out our deep dive episodes, make sure you listen to those so you can get a handle on how to really notice your own issues. But more than that, more than any of this, I just want you to continue to be brave and to try to be loving and curious with your spouse versus condemning, shaming, critical. And thank you so much for working through so much conflict resolution with us this month. I know we're trying on so many new things. So very proud of you. Share your stories with us about what's working and what you want to see more of. We will be sharing more. So we will look forward to all this fun time together. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. 
If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.